The Starlight Lounge presents An Evening with the Progressive Box. The moon, yeah. That's Hugo, tickling the ivories. He just saved by bundling home and auto with Progressive. Gonna finally buy a ring for that gal of yours, Hugo? Send her my condolences. Hi-oh! This next one's for you, too. There's a burglar in my heart. Thank you. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Discounts not available in all states or situations. Right now, you can get both Sprint's unlimited plan and the all-new Samsung Galaxy S10 included for just $35 per month per line for five lines. All you need is approved credit and 24-month installment billing. No trade-in required. Visit a Sprint store, Sprint.com, or call 800-SPRINT-1. Phone $15 a month after $22.50 a month credit. Apply within two bills. If cancel early, remaining amounts due. Unlimited basic after 630 Pay $32 per month per line for five lines with auto-pay data deprioritization during congestion. Speed maximums, use rules, and restrictions apply. listening to Uncle Sam's Soccer Podcast, keeping you up to date with the latest in American soccer. And don't forget to subscribe. Hello everyone, welcome to Uncle Sam's Soccer Podcast. You know us, Stephen Jodrant, Armakafai, Jake Watroba. Today's episode, we preview the Women's World Cup. Yes, hit that subscribe button, whatever podcast streaming outlet you're on. Leave us a five-star review. Follow us on Twitter at UncSamSoccerPod. And fellas, we finally have a World Cup in which the U.S. will take part. It's been, it's been quite some time, huh? It's been a minute, right? It's been it's been what four years? Twenty fifteen, right? Oh yeah, twenty fifteen. You forgot what the other ones. No, it's, come on, Stephen. Oh yeah, it's true. Oh, Stephen, the women always seem to you know make the World Cup and perform admirably. Uh, the men, well, we don't know what happened last year, so <laughs> yeah, yeah, four years, man. It feels like five. It's been feels like it's been a a generation ago. The last time we saw. A U.S. compete at the World Cup, Jake. The excitement—it's rather interesting. There's a lot of nerves going around. Well, yeah, given how the U.S. performed in the 2016 Olympics in Rio when they lost in the—I believe it was the round of 16—to the Swedish uh, national team, there are a lot of nerves. And and this team got off to a, a rough start following that, those Olympics with three losses in 2017, but they have a string of 31 consecutive unbeaten matches right now. So if you're a U.S. fan, you have to feel pretty good about their chances. Yeah, absolutely. Now, listeners, we will have Henry Bushnell of Yahoo Sports call in, chat about the Women's World Cup. He's going to give us a broad preview. And question of the day, what are you most looking forward to in this summer's World Cup? Tweet at us at Pod for it. And, guys, I'm going to begin this with simply saying I want to talk about the French nation as a whole they obviously won the 2018 world cup now can they do it again just a year following it? no country has ever held both the women's men's and women's world cup france who hosts the nation have a big opportunity here to do something that's never been done before 
obviously France is, I think all the tickets are sold. Good luck finding tickets. It seems like they're going to be ready for it. They have the infrastructure. People are, are excited in France. They have a strong team. This will be a fun team to follow just because you got the home crowd behind them. And they got sick jerseys. Oh, those, yes. Th- those, those kits they have are glorious. I mean, my goodness. I think it, it should it should be a fun experience to watch. I mean, look, whenever you see even like a smaller event, like the U20 World Cup, for example, they're playing in Poland. And the, whenever Poland's playing, you know, it's all raucous and loud because it's the host nation. So it's always fun to see the host nation play. And I think especially with France and how good their team is, I mean, some people are even tabbing them as the favorites. So well, they, uh, I think they, it'd be fun they, to watch. They said fourth in the rankings. Uh, the the Americans are odd on favorites, but France follows at seven to two, Germany eleven to two, England at seven to one, Netherlands sixteen to one, and Japan also at sixteen to one. But think about it. Let's go back to twenty sixteen, the European Championships, where the French team, the men's there, wasn't necessarily the best. They struggled, but man, that home field advantage really pulled them through and carried them to the final. Ultimately, losing to Cristiano Ronaldo and Portugal. But the the home field advantage cannot be ignored, and France will have a huge leg up on everyone else. And I'm sure the Americans will have a great draw because Americans love to see their teams play. But this this will be interesting. Now, question of the day, Armand: What are you most looking forward to in this year's or this summer's World Cup? You know, I'm really interested to see the performance of Sam Kerr. Uh, she was many people have talked about how she was arguably one of the best players uh, in the world last year. Um, and she didn't win any awards for it or anything, but she's a very, she's a very goal scoring forward. She had 16 goals in 20 matches uh, for the red stars uh, in the, of the NWSL and currently has six goals and six starts. I want to see how she does uh, because the Australians group, it's not really a really easy group. Uh, they're playing Italy and Brazil and Jamaica. Uh, Brazil obviously has that pedigree and Italy as well. But overall, I'm interested to see how Sam Kerr does. And I'm really, I, I want to see, will, will she put on a show? Can she lead Australia to victory? I think the odds for Australia aren't that good to win the, the World Cup. And I was watching a, uh, actually watching a little betting show, you know, because uh, we do a little betting on the pod. I don't know if it's legal or not or whatever, but, you know, is what it is. Um, and they were talking about, it was actually Paul Carr. Uh, he was talking about how he could make a legitimate case the Australians could win the World Cup. And if you're going to do that, Sam Kerr's got to lead the charge. So I'm interested to see how she's going to do in that capacity. The thing I'll be most interested in following for this summer's World Cup will be how many people will keep an eye on the World Cup with it being played in France. Games will now be starting at 11 o'clock, 2 o'clock uh, in the afternoon, whereas in 2015 it was in Canada. So you had games starting right after, right when you got off of work. Boom, prime time right there. Easy to watch. Didn't need to take time off at work. Easily accessible. With this World Cup, all the games will be in the afternoon on the weekdays or in the mornings. So I'll be interested to see what the the numbers look like in terms of viewership when this thing is all said and done. Yeah, and I think the other point being is that they, they don't play that great of a competition in the group stage. Not until the third match. Like They open up against Thailand June 11th. 3 p.m. Eastern Time on Fox. Then they play Chile, the 16th, at noon Eastern Time. So that's pretty much morning for the entire nation. 
And then you ha- you play, I think, the most exciting match of the group, probably for the crown of the group, against Sweden Thursday, June 20th at 3 p.m. Eastern time. And, and Armand, I mean, the last time the Americans have played these opponents, it's pretty much been pretty smooth sailing for them. Right, right, right. They Smooth sailing might be an understatement against Thailand, the U.S., won their uh, only match, 9-0, on September 15th, 2016. It was actually the first game, you know, following the 2016 Olympics. Uh, with Chile, they beat them 3-0 on August 31st, and then 4-0 on September 4th. Uh, so, I mean, again, smooth sailing, but it's that match against Sweden, looking back. Remember, guys, they did beat Sweden 1-0 in 2017, but remember, in the Olympics, that was a team that knocked out the U.S., and I don't know if you guys remember but that was also the time where Hope Solo came out and said we played against a bunch of cowards talking about the Swedish, na- uh, Swedish national team. So I guess you could say like the first two games, like, hey, you might watch them, you know, for, uh, you know, U.S. pride. But they should win those two games where I don't think we're being wrong by saying they should have six points going into the game against Sweden. Oh, absolutely. And I think Sweden could easily say they'll have six points too. And it's whoever takes takes the group and at that point the group will if sweden and america uh, the americans have six points each the group is settled like th- there's no chance the other two nations have a chance to progress so question there is what what is the bigger advantage winning the group resting players what what do you do do you go for a draw goal differential might come into play depending on the scores of the other games the head-to-head, what do you do? You want to keep the momentum? So there's going to be a lot of talking points leading into this match in Sweden. Remember, Sweden have kind of something to play for based on those those comments from Hope Solo. You, you don't. I, I, another question for you guys is, do you think those comments have a resounding effect? Do you think Sweden will get up for that game against the Americans? I mean, if I were the Swedish coach, I'd plaster those comments all around. Hey, do you remember last time we played the Americans in a meaningful game? Something that really mattered on the world stage. This is what they said about us. Go out I there mean, and show them, show them what what we can do. They they have to get them up for the game, right? They have to make them more motivated. I mean, if you're an athlete, you're looking for every little bit of extra motivation you can get to get up for a game. I mean, granted, that was four years ago. That was Hope Solo. She's not on the team anymore. But if you're Sweden, if you're the if you're the coach of Sweden, yeah, you're you're you're, you're tacking that 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 quote to a bulletin board and you're saying they called us a bunch of cowards in, in Rio. Let's go out there and show them that we're not cowards. Let's go get the win. Also, I've been looking at the bracket and this puts up a very interesting scenario because the winner of group F, which is the group that the United States is in, will actually play the winner of group A, the group that France is in, in the quarterfinal stage. We could make an argument and say, hey, may rest up some players if they get those six points and May not go for a win or something, but you know, set yourself up uh, for a more competitive advantage, I guess. But you make the argument for that, but I don't think Jill also do it. I think she wants to go for all nine points and yeah, uh, keep secure, the momentum going. The group. Just yeah, keep, keep the momentum going. It's risky both ways. Yes, very risky. Up next, Henry Bushnell of Yahoo Sports. Joining us now on the show is Yahoo writer Henry Bushnell. You can follow him on Twitter at Henry Bushnell, where you can find all 
his comments and content on the upcoming Gold Cup and FIFA Women's World Cup. Henry, how are you doing today? I'm great, guys. How's it going? We're going good. We're going good. Doing well on this beautiful Sunday when we record. Uh, but Henry, obviously, the big event of the summer, the Women's World Cup, is coming up. And obviously, we got to talk about the United States. When we talked about the United States, Mandra Gillis, she's called up over 60 players uh, since Rio of 2016. The U.S. lost three matches in 2017. But, you know, following that third loss, they won a 31-game unbeaten run with 28 wins and three draws. Henry, how good is this U.S. women's national team? You know, frankly, I think they might be better than they were four years ago. And I, I know, like, a, a lot of people will think that's crazy just on the surface, given that they won four years ago, and they're certainly not a given to win uh, again this time around. Um, but especially over the past year, you know, they're, they're, as, as, we, as you hinted at, over the past three years, there have been some rocky moments. Um, but really, like, t- around 12 months ago, um, they started – they started clicking. Um, they were probably, frankly, they were, they were ready for a World Cup to begin, you know, last summer or last fall uh, when they when they were probably at the at the peak of of that unbeaten run and, and their and their top form. Uh, but I still say I'm still very confident in this team. And you know, you're gonna hear you'll hear a lot of people quibble about whether they'll they'll be able to break down te- you know teams that bunker in or whether they might be vulnerable to the counterattack. Um, but there's talent up and down the squad. They're insanely deep. Um, and I think they, I think they're absolutely the favorite uh, uh, at this summer tournament. Henry, what's the, I guess, tactically, how would you describe this team? Yeah, so it's a, it, it's actually you can pretty, you can pretty clearly uh, see it if you watch them. It's a, it's a four three three, which is not what Ellis has always always played. Uh, but in between Olympics and and this World Cup, with, I think she just, she recently described it as she she kind of just chose based on personnel. And realized that a lot of her personnel fit a four-three-three. You've got Alex Morgan as kind of like a do-it-all striker up top. Um, you've got creative wingers. You've got Julie Ertz as a defensive midfielder. So for casual fans, she was Julie Johnston, and she was a center back at the last World Cup. Uh, now she's kind of just like a destroy everything in her, in her path defensive midfielder. Uh, and then you've got a couple of creative players in front of her uh, in in midfield. Um, they're gonna the U.S. They're, they're somewhat versatile in terms of tactics and how they approach a game. Um, they can go direct to Morgan um, or they can keep the ball, play on the ground, try to play through pressure, uh, which they're going to be asked to do a lot. Um, and they're, I think they're better te- technically and you know, playing the ball on the ground than they have been in the past. But then they also have the athletes to just, you know, win games on set pieces um, or win games with physicality. Um, so, so there's not there's not one you know like tactical hallmark that they have that they're going to be dependent on. Um, but yeah, it's, it, it's a it's a four three three, uh, and the, they'll you know they'll attack in all different types of ways. Henry, goalkeeping has been described as this team's biggest weakness. Uh, how big of a problem is the position for the U.S.? Yeah, it's interesting. It, so listen, Air will start um, and has been the starter for a while now. And we probably, and I'm probably gu- guilty of this as well. I think we probably go to a bit too far with how much criticism she gets and how much we describe her as a weakness. Cause in the end, she's arguably a top five goalkeeper in the world. Um, and certainly a top 10 goalkeeper in the world. She, the thing is she's just not hope solo and she's not Brianna Scurry. Um, and the U S has had the, for a while had, 
one of the two or three best goalkeepers in the world. And Nair might not be that. She's not as good as Solo, at least not as good as Solo was at her peak. And she's had some very shaky moments in a U.S. shirt, um, especially over the past uh, year or two. Like there are, there are times where she really doesn't, where, where, where it looks like Ellis should have given more looks to other options, whether it was, whether it's French or Harris, uh, the, the two backup goalkeepers. But that said, like, Nair is still, like, I think, like, over the past few games, really since uh, France uh, friendly in January, she's been fine, like, hasn't really been an issue at all. And there's a chance that all of this hand-wringing over and, and worry over whether she's good enough or not could just be totally moot, moot and, the, and, and, she, and she could be completely fine. But you, you never know how, especially, like, the goalkeeper position is, probably more so than any, you never know how people are going to respond on the big stage. Um, and it, all it takes is one mistake for it to become a controversy, a real problem, a talking point, uh, and, and it could just spiral from there. Henry, I want to go back and talk uh, about Jill Ellis. Obviously, they didn't medal in 2016 at the Olympics. Um, is there some pressure on Jill Ellis to at least perform, have a, uh, I guess, a quote-unquote success uh, at this World Cup, whatever, whatever the U.S. It seems be, deems to be a success, is there any pressure on her at all? I think there absolutely is pressure. Um, whether it's warranted or not, I'm not really sure. Um, and as you said, I think so much of it stems from that one game in 2016. Um, and when pressure over, you know, uh, uh, like several years is completely stemming from one game, I I find that problematic and. So I'm I'm much higher on Jill Ellis than a lot of people are. I think I think she's a I think she's a very good manager, uh, and I think she's done a really good job kind of reforming this team and going through this cycle of regener- regeneration. Where she, as you as you mentioned earlier, she called in a bunch of different players, decided you know picked the few that she she felt could really help this team and really you know start this new generation of players. Mixed them in with the pat the players from the the older generation who can still contribute. Uh, and I think she's turned this team into a really good unit. But yes, there is pressure on her because that you know that Sweden loss that was the U.S.'s worst performance at a major tournament ever. Um, and if they, you know, and maybe we can talk about this in a bit, but like there's a chance they get France in the quarterfinals here. And if they lose to, and France is the second best team at the World Cup, and if they lose in the quarterfinals again, there's probably no way Jill Ellis survives that. Whether that's fair or not. Um, just, you know, having the, the two worst performances at major tournaments in program history at back-to-back major tournaments is just not something that a, that a national team coach um, would – that would allow a national team coach to keep her job. Absolutely. And I want to talk about the field in just a second. I want to ask you, it's the biggest stage. So – and we've seen a ton of players get called up since 2016-60, and we've mentioned that multiple times now. But what are some new faces that – the casual fan will be seeing probably not at the beginning of this tournament, but for, for maybe a couple tournaments from here on out. Yeah. So there, there are several, uh, you know, major players who will, I guess if you, if, so if you, some of them were at uh, the 2016 Olympics, um, but if you go back to players who were not at the 2015 world cup, um, probably the biggest thing to know is Lindsay Horan. She's a, a central midfielder, who can like a really wide ranging skill set. Um, good in the air, good, good with the ball at her feet. Um, she was actually, so she went over, she was the first American player to bypass college. Uh, she went over to PSG at age 18 
Um, and she was actually a striker back then. Um, and then, but she, she's come back since when she came back to the Portland Thorns uh, a couple of years ago, she, they, they turned her into a midfielder and she is just like a dominant box to box midfielder. Now, Jill Ellis hasn't quite figured out how to use her in the best way and get as much out of her as, uh, as Portland has gotten out of her. Um, but she, she's awesome. Um, alongside her in midfield will be Rose Lavelle, another young, just like creative player who's kind of different than any other player the U.S. has, um, just in her playmaking ability uh, and her, her ability on the ball in the middle of the field. Um, so those are two names to certainly watch out for. Um, Mal Pugh is probably, Mallory Pugh is probably a name a, lot, a fair amount of people know just because she was billed as this teen phenom. She, she's probably not even going to start, but she could make an impact off the bench and will certainly start many World Cup games in the future. Um, she's still, I believe she won't, recently turned 21 um and then crystal dunn uh is another really she's actually a more exciting attacking player uh than a defensive player but she's going to play left back at this tournament uh but in the way the u.s system works their fullbacks will get forward and they often play kind of unbalanced so that dunn from her left back position can become more of a winger uh and and have an offensive impact um so I'd say those three players are probably the the, the like the younger players to watch, um, who casual fans might not be might not be super familiar with. Henry Carly Lloyd will be one of the few veteran holdovers from the 2015 team that will now be what appears to be in a reserve role. I, I wanted to ask you, how big is that for Jill Ellis to have a player like Lloyd coming off the bench late in matches? It's huge. And as crazy as it sounds, like Carly Lloyd is playing some of the best soccer of her life right now. Like she is, she's on a, she's on a tear. She's scoring goals whenever she comes off the bench for the national team. Um, she scored a couple goals in NWSL right before, uh, you know, national team players left to go to camp uh, for, for, you know, to prepare for the World Cup. And yeah, she's I, like, Frankly, I, I think I saw the other day that she's like the has the fifth or sixth shortest odds for the golden boot. And I honestly might put some money on that. Like, I think there's a chance that she, cause, cause she's going to, she, she can play a role in any, any type of game. Say the U S is beating Chile or Thailand one, nothing or two, nothing early in the second half. Carly Lloyd's the type of player who can, can come off the bench and just relentlessly go at a tired defense and, and an overmatched defense. Um, and score like two or three goals in a second half. Um, she's she's been playing really good lately. She's set, she's kind of so she she's changed her game from what she was in 2015 when she was a midfielder. Now she she really is a striker. Um, but I think she's smarter than she's ever been. Um, and I think she actually she could have a really major impact at the World Cup. How important is it, Henry, for Jill Ellis also manage that as well? Because I think Carly came out. Actually, I remember Carly came out and said, hey, look, like, I don't want to be on the bench. Like, how important is it for Jill to you know, manage that? Or is Carly's mentality more of, you know what, it's whatever the coach wants. But uh, obviously she isn't pleased not to be starting. Right. No, yeah, she said, like, I, I think I should be starting. I want to be starting. I'm not okay coming off the bench. Uh, but I bet Ellis and even a lot of the players who are playing in front of her would tell you, like, it, it, honestly, that's the attitude they want her to have. And, you know, they, they, they want her to be pushing. And that doesn't mean that she should be. Like, I think, it's, I think it's okay to, A, say that you're totally fine with her saying that, but also, B, acknowledge that, no, she shouldn't be starting. Like, Alex Morgan, as a 90-minute as a player, um, as a, like, from the start, is better than her uh, and c- can do more all around for the team. Uh, so I think 
like if all goes to plan, Carly Lloyd will have a major impact, but it will never become a controversy that whether she should be starting over Alex Morgan uh, because she shouldn't. Um, but so, so as long as that, and, and like the media will probably try to push that talking point if Morgan isn't scoring and Carly Lloyd is scoring off the bench. Uh, but I don't think, you know, within the team, I don't think it's really a, a major problem. Henry, let's talk about the field. France, they're hosting it. They have an opportunity to do something that's never done before, and that's capture both the men's and women's World Cup in years in succession. How prominent or how dominant can this French team be, and how scary should the U.S. be in in the fact that they could be facing them in the quarterfinals? Yeah, I think it's I think it's really the one team that is possibly in the U.S.'s head a bit um, and that the U.S. might be worried about. I've heard multiple U.S. players kind of mention, not even ask specifically about it, but say, like, yeah, like, the, the pressure's on France, like, on home soil. Like, they're the ones who should be feeling the pressure, almost trying, almost the U.S. players trying to deflect pressure off themselves. Um, so, I, I like, they, 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 and they, if you ask them who, like, their biggest challengers are for the, for the World Cup, they might not say France, but they definitely, in their heads, they would say France. Um, they're, they're thinking France. France is definitely the second best team, um, and maybe some would argue the best team. They have, you know, they have the core of some Lyon on the women's side has won the past four uh, women's Champions League titles in Europe, um, and the core of that Lyon team is the core of this France team, uh, and it's it's a team that's kind of been building to this moment, been building to this 2019 World Cup. They knew knew they were going to host. Uh, they've got a lot of players in their prime, you know, uh, all different lines of the field, whether it's, you know, center backs. Wendy Renard is a center back whose name you'll hear a lot. She's six foot two. She's, you know, great, great all around player. Um, Amandine Henri is their defensive midfielder. She's awesome. You know, they've got a striker, strike, several forwards who have been scoring for them for years. Uh, they, 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 sort of like the U.S., they're, they're, they're possibly not as deep as the U.S., you know, one through 20. But one through 13 or 15, um, they're just as deep as the U.S. and, you know, arguably just as talented, um, at, 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 like, in terms of the top players as well. Henry, the English women made a sort of Cinderella run in 2015 going deep into the World Cup. Can we expect the same from the English this time around? Yeah, expectations are even higher for them this time. Um, and, and I think they're better. I think this is the most talented team they've ever had. Um you know, similar to some of the other teams we talked about, both the U.S. and France, like they have so many attacking, good attacking players, um, more than they've ever had. And it's going to be tough for Phil Neville, who's their manager now, um, to kind of find minutes for all of them and find roles for all of them. Um, and there's a wide age range, too. You know, they've got like they've got a talented 20 uh, year old attacker. They've got players who are in their 30s who still absolutely merit a merit a place in the team. Um, so, yeah, I think, again, I think that English team is more talented than the one from four years ago. No, that doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to get as far as they did four years ago. Um, and there's a chance that it ends up being a disappointment, but they're like, the expectation for them is like semi, like I think anything less than a semifinal for them would, would be considered a disappointment. Henry, final question. We're going to do a little fill in the blank. Okay. Finish this sentence. The U S women's national team will win the world cup. If, that's a tough one. Um, honestly, if 
Alex Morgan uh, plays to the level that she can. I, I, I think she's one of the most important players on this team, and she hasn't been scoring goals like she like she often does for the national team recently. You know, she uh, like you know one two years ago she was on an absolute tear. Recently, she hasn't really been. Uh, but if she can finish at the level we know she's capable of, um, I, I think the the U.S. is going to be tough to beat. Henry, we appreciate it. Just wanted to give you the opportunity to add anything else you'd like and go ahead and plug where we can find your writing, your work. Yeah, absolutely. You can find me on Twitter at Henry Bushnell, H-E-N-R-Y-B-U-S-H-N-E-L-L. And, uh, yeah, just you know, we've got a hub for all our uh, pre- uh, preview content uh, for the World Cup at, at Yahoo. Um, if you go to Yahoo's, uh, Yahoo's soccer page, um, or if you just you know search Yahoo Sports World Cup Preview Hub, uh, you can find it. We've got a lot of good stuff from features to rankings to uh, you know U.S. analysis and stuff. Uh, we've got a, a lot of great writers uh, who've been putting in a lot of work on this. So yeah, um, would love if you guys uh, if if everybody could check it out. And uh, yeah, appreciate you guys having me on. Oh, thank you. Well, there you have it, Henry Bushnell. Listeners, go give him a follow, read his content. It's wonderful insight to the World Cup. And some crazy facts, Armand, you've been digging up. Talk about the dominance of this Lyon team winning four straight Champions League. But it's not even the fact they just won four straight. It's more than that. Yeah, it's way more than that. They've And the crazy thing is, I think out of the last ten Champions Leagues, they've shown up in eight finals. Like, it's insane. Uh, They showed up eight finals. They've won uh, six. They they were runner-up uh, in the other two. In the only two years, they did not show up in the final. They lost to uh, Turbine Postam in the round of 16 and PSG in the round of 16 as well. And they've and they've they, they've dominated in the fashion. For example, they beat in 2016 or 2017 the round of 16. They beat FZ Zurich, uh, your Swedish team. Uh, Swiss. Swiss. I meant Swiss. I swear to God, I meant Swiss. <laughs> 17-0. Nice. They also beat uh, let's see, a team from Kazakhstan, 16-0. They beat Ajax's uh, female team this year, 13-0. Wow. Uh, they're dominant. dominant. They're extremely dominant. And they're one of the best players in the world, Ida Hatterberg, isn't even playing in the World Cup, and she plays for Leon, and she's so dominant as well. Yeah, she's protesting. Overall, that team is just legitimately one is a powerhouse yeah. in Europe. Uh, listeners, question of the day. Make sure you tweet us at Pod. What are you most looking forward to in this summer's World Cup? And a lot of moving parts. Henry gave us a great preview. And, guys, we're going to finish on this note. Last several winners included the U.S., Norway, Germany, Japan. Do you think this is the year that we see someone new get added to that list? No. Uh, I think we're four years too early from that. Uh, We're starting to see some developments in women's football. But, I mean, overall, I think it's still going to be the consensus two or three or four teams that compete for for the title. I mean, obviously, we've seen the investment, like I said, in women's football go up. But, I mean, my I guess maybe my litmus test is kind of bad. But uh, I talked about the CONCACAF Women's Championship. I got a first-row seat to look at that. And the U.S. was by far – this could be a result of the U.S. just being better, like as Henry mentioned. But they were by far the better team, like significantly the better team. I don't think any other team in that region – Maybe outside of Canada, and Canada not even, 
It wasn't even close for when the Canada and the U.S. played as well. I don't think any other team in that region could really compute the U.S. And, I mean, you could take that snapshot and maybe go around the world. I, I don't think so. I, I don't think we're going to see a team. I think we're going to see one of those predicted favorites win the World Cup. Predicted favorites, but I my money, guys, if I, had a, if I were a betting man, take the French. They're at home, and I don't think you can get away from that home field advantage. I think the nation is going to just push them forward. I agree with Steven. I'm putting my money on France, host nations, or host nation, sorry. They'll have all the momentum. They'll have all the win in their sail with the, uh, with the home field advantage. I think we might see the end of the Jill Ellis era here in the U.S. if, if they do meet in the quarterfinals. Give me, give me the French. Give me La Bleu to win the 2019 FIFA World Cup. Allez les Bleus! All right, listeners, tweet at us at UncSamSoccerPod. Give us your thoughts, your answer to the question of the day. What are you most looking forward to in this year's World Cup? You know the game, at Steven Jodderand, at Jake Wittrova, at Armand Kafai. And come back tomorrow for more. Right now, you can get both Sprint's Unlimited plan and the iPhone XR with its amazing camera included for just $35 per month per line for five lines. All you need is approved credit and 24-month installment billing. No trade-in required. Visit a Sprint store, Sprint.com, or call 800-SPRINT-1. Phone $15 a month after monthly credit supplied within two bills. If canceled early, remaining balance due. Unlimited basic after 63020, pay $32 a month per line with auto pay. Data deprioritization during congestion. Speed maximums, use rules, and restrictions apply. Yellow Fan for Sprint, May 29th, 2019, ADIDYEFS1166000 iPhone XR Logo IB Sprint 30. Right now, Sprint has a great deal. Double the fun. Buy the latest iPhone and get an iPhone XR on us. All you need is approved credit and 24-month installment billing. No trade-in required. Visit a Sprint store, Sprint.com, or call 800-SPRINT-1 today iPhone 10 R 64 gigabyte 3125 month second phone $0 after 3125 month credit apply within two bills requires two new lines of service if cancel earlier remaining balance due coverage and offer not available at lower $30 activation fee restrictions apply tax to its head.